Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. This podcast hosts the weekly Sunday service message from Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York, pastored by Chris and Joan Wood. We hope this resource encourages, challenges, and helps you in your journey with God. So whether you're driving, washing dishes, or sitting in your living room, let's prepare our hearts together as we hear the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. I am going to just share a couple things with you this morning that are really fun. Anybody ready to have their faith grow, their hope grow, and their love grow? That's what we're doing this morning, okay? It's an invitation in the house by God himself says, do you want to grow in faith, hope, and love? then you're in the right place. <clears throat> so one of my favorite Bible verses is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And it says, And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. In a different translation, it's so these three things continue forever. How long is forever? forever. So these three things continue forever, faith, hope, and love. Another version, now faith, hope, and love remain. Another version says, but for right now, trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of these three is love. So I, <clears throat> I want to tell you a story about um, a day in the life of Joan Wood. It's kind of crazy. Put your bootstrap, pull yourself up by your bootstraps because it's a crazy wild ride. Anyway, um, I it, just life is crazy, crazy. Anyway, in the middle of craziness, I had signed up a few months ago for a continuing education class for dental hygiene, because I have to have so many credits to keep my license active and all of that. So months ago, I had signed up for this class. Well, it happened to be last week. And I got to Tuesday night, I think it was, no, it was Wednesday. I don't even remember which night it was. But anyway, one of those nights, I got to the whatever day it was, and I went, oh, I've got that class tonight at 6 o'clock. What in the world am I doing right now? I've got so many other things I could be doing, and I have to go to this class. So I had thought about skipping, but I knew I couldn't. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go to this class. Okay, God, so talk to me. What is this about? And just because I want to find purpose and the meaning of God in everything that I do and every minute of every day. And so anyway, I'm asking the Lord about this. And, and I know there are going to be people there, friends there that I can keep building relationships with. And it's that's important. And, and so I go, okay, I'm going to go and talk to my friends and, you know, we're going to encourage each other and whatever. But the class itself 
was one that I figured I would never in my life use because technology's changing. I'm kind of on the semi-retired status of dental hygiene. I can clean teeth with my eyes closed. You don't want me to do that, but I can do it with my eyes closed. But the technology is all changing. And so anyway, the class was on laser technology in dental hygiene. And I thought, wow, I don't think I'm going to be using laser technology any day soon. So I wasn't really that interested in the class. And I thought, well, but I've got to get my credits. And so it'll be fun. There was food. It always makes it better. So anyway, I go to the class. And I'm sitting there. I'm talking with my friends. And the presenter starts to, to teach on lasers. And I'm thinking, I'm starting to get a tiny bit of a cranky attitude. Like, ugh, I've got to sit here for two hours and listen because I get two credits for this. So I'm going to sit here and listen to something that has no bearing in my life whatsoever. And then I'm going, okay, God, you know, quick attitude adjustment. I mean, we've got to have those... The minute you start to feel cranky, either eat something or just have an attitude adjustment in and of yourself. So I just, I, I was eating at the time, so I thought that was helping me change my attitude. <clears throat> so I went, okay, God, can you just talk to me while I'm sitting here? And no sooner had those words not come out of my mouth but had been said in my head, a slide comes up on the program about lasers and how lasers are very precise and lasers are light. Light equals energy. Chromophores, I'm giving you a science lesson now. Put your science hat on. Chromophores are the things in cell, the part of the cell that um, are pigment or color. So the, the laser goes directly at the chromophore, which takes it to the mitochondria. Anybody remember what a mitochondria is? Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. It's where all the energy comes, and it changes everything from the mitochondria in the cell. So the laser, the light, goes to the chromophore, which is the pigment and the darkness, to go to the mitochondria to change the whole outworking of what the cell is going to be doing. Now, I'm sitting there, and I am exploding with sermon illustrations. Because science is finally catching up to God. And science, and so this, is, so this is faith. We're talking about faith. Anybody want their faith to grow? Well, I'm going to prove to you that science is finally catching up to God, okay? So here we have in the periodontal, in the mouth, okay, I'm taking you back into dental hygiene. If you have teeth and you have gums and you have bone and you have all this structure inside your mouth. The gums, if they're healthy, are pink. 
If they are not healthy, you have bacteria in your mouth. Bacteria in your mouth forms every 20 minutes. Just so you know, you should be brushing your teeth every 20 minutes to get rid of the plaque. But I know that's not possible. So, but tw every 20 minutes, the bacteria forms in your mouth. And where does it go? It goes into the, your gum tissue. And if your gum tissue is healthy, it can fight off that bacteria that's there. If it is not, it goes down into the gum tissue. When it goes into the gum tissue, it turns into disease, infection, dying and necrotic tissue. It goes into the dark spaces around your tooth, that gum tissue is around there. So when you use a laser, which is light and energy, it goes in and zeroes in on the dark things. What color do you think infection is? What color do you think um, bacteria is? Dark, dark. What color do you think necrotic dying tissue is? What are the chromophores in those? They're black, they're dark, they're giving darkness. So when a laser is used, which is light and energy and goes into those dark places, light goes into the mitochondria of that cell, releases the energy, and what happens to the cell? That energy begins to promote and initiate healing and health. Can anybody preach this with me? So when there is darkness, there is one who is a light, comes into the darkness, comes in with laser-like precision, and comes to the darkness, those places in our life that are dying, death, necrotic, infected, wounded, you name it comes into that place of darkness, brings his light and energy and power into your cells to bring and promote and initiate healing. Any, anybody with me yet? All right. So turn to your Bible. So this is, this is science catching up with God. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and the man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Okay. In your minds, go to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Okay. 
So the earth, it keeps going on in Genesis 1. The earth was without form. The word there is tohu. And void, bohu. You'll always remember it now. Tohu and bohu. I don't know who this is. Somebody, these are their words. Tohu and bohu. Do you know what tohu and bohu are? Without form and void. That's what that means. Tohu and bohu. Tohu is a chaotic mess. Or emptiness. Tohu. The earth was without form. Chaotic mess and emptiness. Void is bohu, disorder, confusion. And, and then it says, and darkness was on the face of the deep. So here you've got God. He's created the heavens and the earth. And what state is it in? Darkness. Tohu and bohu. Chaotic mess, darkness, confusion, emptiness, void. That's what was created. So what does God need to do? It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. Now when God says, let there be light in that first part of the verse in Genesis, it's, he means presence, his presence. It was later on that he organized the darkness and organized the light and said, now there's going to be day and now there's going to be night. But when he first spoke, let there be light, it was, let me put my presence in the middle of this chaos. Let me put my presence in the middle of this darkness. Now you go back, flip back in John. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Comprehend is the Greek word katalambano. J. Paul preached a message on this years ago, and I never forgot it. Katalambano means to overtake, to um, take hold of. The darkness could not overtake the light. Anybody happy about that? The darkness could not over... That's what John 1, 5 says. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend... Could not overtake the light. The darkness could not overtake the light. Anybody's life chaotic... Confused? Topsy-turvy? Well, light comes in. Light cannot be overtaken by darkness. Light always eliminates the darkness. You know, you come into this room, and if there's no lights on, and it's completely dark, with one flip of the switch, what happens to that darkness? It's gone. It eliminates light eliminates darkness and God then divided it and saw that it was good the precision and immensity of God's brain 
and knowledge knows that when there is darkness, he needed to come in with his presence. It's the only thing that dispels the darkness. The light of who he is. He is the light. Jesus said, I am the light. The word says he is the light. Darkness cannot overtake that. Look, if you're still in John, flip to the next page where it says in verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Faith is given as a gift. God gives every person a measure of faith. What we do with that is up to us. You can hold your little measure of faith and say, yep, I've got my faith and it's going to hold me. And, or you can, like a seed, plant it and let it grow. It's an invitation. God doesn't force us to become great men and women of great faith, but he gives us invitations every day for our faith to grow. If you're still in John chapter 1, I'll take you to the next stage in faith and the invitation that God gives us for faith to grow. John is out preaching repentance, and all of a sudden it's like he says, okay, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he says it again, and the next day it says in verse 35, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus, he walked and said, behold the Lamb of God, and he pointed to Jesus, and Immediately, those two disciples turned, and instead of following John, they followed Jesus. Immediately. It, it was like, oh, there's the Lamb of God. I'm going to go follow him. So Jesus turns around, and he goes to the disciples. He goes, in my Bible, it's highlighted, and it says, what do you seek? Does that what your Bible says? In verse 38, the disciples are following him, and they said, what do you seek? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come and see, Jesus said. Goes on a little bit more. So Andrew goes and gets Peter because he thinks he's found the Messiah. And so he says, come with me. We've got to go find this guy. And then Jesus continues, and he goes to Galilee. He finds Philip and says to Philip, follow me. It's an invitation. You don't have to. It's an invitation to follow him. But it's an adventure. I'll just tell you that following him. So then he finds Philip, and then Philip founds, finds Nathaniel, and Nathaniel is also, um, Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip says to him, come and see. And then Jesus, down in verse 50, says to Nathaniel, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you will see greater things than these.
the transformation that changes in the disciples right then is one from what do you seek to whom do you seek? You know, in the beginning of our, our life with Jesus, I don't know about you, but some of my prayers were like, oh God, can you just do this for me? Oh God, can you just do that for me? Oh God, and it was, what am I seeking? What am I, I'm, people followed him for the miracles and the signs that he did. In the beginning, that's a valid thing. Follow him for the miracles and the signs because God is a miracle and sign working God. And he is amazing. And so you follow him. It's an invitation to come and find out more of who he is. But then he goes, take it from the what to the whom. And he takes your faith walk from a thing-based, circumstance-based, to a person. Faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and knows the one, capital O-N-E, who is leading. It's a life of faith, not of intellect and reason. However, Science is going to prove over and over and over and over again. It's just taking them a little long. But if they just read their Bibles, they'd have so many answers to their questions. But anyway, beside that. But a life of knowing who is the one who is inviting us to go with them. Finding out who Jesus is so when he says, follow me, I'm going to go because I love him. The root of faith is the knowledge of a person. God has, I don't know about you, but he is continually giving me invitations for my faith to grow. And I believe that that's what God's in the business of. He wants our faith to grow. He gives us opportunities to believe him. That's what he says to Nathaniel. Do you believe me? Yes, God. We sing that song of even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. God is always working. We may not see it, but if we know God, if we know Jesus and who they are, then we can put our faith and our trust in him. Okay, it doesn't get any easier. It gets a little more challenging as we go. Okay, so turn in Luke chapter 9. He gives another invitation to his disciples. He says, um, yeah, this one's a little harder. So in this life of faith, in the growing of your faith, he is wanting to work character into your life. Make you a character. I know people say I'm a character. But I'm talking about a different kind of character. I'm talking about God wants to work character into us. His character, who he is. So here's the invitation. Verse 23, chapter 9 of Luke. Then he said to, what's your Bible say? All. 
The them is in italics in my Bible. That means the translator actually put that word in there. So in the, in the original, it's then he said to all. It's not just to a few. The invitation is to all. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. A couple of verses earlier, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he goes, Who do you say that I am? goes back to knowing that who, that whom, that person. Because if you know that person of Jesus, when he asks you to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him, he's going to walk you all the way through it. Jesus is just listening for our yes. And you know, sometimes... Well, maybe not even sometimes, all the time. The denying of yourself, that thing that, that starts to work character in you, is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you, I say this with a smile, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your preferences. It's going to cost you your opinions. It's going to cost you your sleep. It's going to cost you everything. Because when Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, there has to be some action that goes with that. And I remember when the Lord said to me, I want you to meet me here in the prayer room every morning, Monday through Friday at 5.30 in the morning. As a matter of fact, I want you to be here at 4.30, but open the doors at 5.30. And I went, because he had heard my cry that said, Jesus, I just need to know you. I want to know you more. That, I'm just telling you, is a dangerous prayer. But that was my prayer. Jesus, I just need to know you more. I just want to know you more. And he goes, okay, I'll tell you where I'm going to be. Come meet me there. So for 17 years, in that little room, my faith grew day after day after day after day because he was faithful to meet me as I was faithful to say, set the alarm, wake up, no sleep. You might be going to bed at 11 or 12 at night, but you've got to be up there and be over there at 4.30 in the morning. There's sometimes a cost, but when Jesus is there, and when he starts to download who he is, and you start to see him as all-powerful, majestic, incredible God who he is, your faith just grows and grows and grows. You get to see how absolutely amazing God is. And again, it goes back to a person. There's one more invitation in this faith walk. 
that Jesus offers his disciples, and it's in, found in Mark chapter 14. I'll tell you the story. It's an invitation where Jesus is going to a garden, and he says to his disciples, Hey, want to go to the garden with me? They have no idea. He knows what that garden has for him. So he says to Peter, James, and John, he says, Hey, you guys out here, you can just watch and pray, watch and pray. And he says, Peter, James, and John, come on in a little closer with me. He says, watch and pray. Just watch and pray. I'm going to go a little bit further. There's this big rock that I need to kneel at. And he comes back out after a little while, and he finds Peter, James, and John purring, sound asleep. So Jesus says, oh, it's, come on, guys, just watch and pray. He goes to pray again, comes back. What are the disciples doing? Again. Jesus is like, okay. He goes back to that altar that he's making. And he goes, not my will, but thine be done. He comes back and he finds the guys again sleeping three times. He goes, okay, come on. I've laid it down. It's time to go. Isaiah says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with, wingle, with wings like eagles, which is a fun thing. They shall run and not be weary, a little bit harder. They shall walk and not faint. One of the stages in the life of faith is walking and not fainting. Walking and not staying awake, watching and praying. Because at some point, you and I are going to have that meeting on the rock ourselves where Jesus is asking us to surrender. And I think we've been hearing that a lot in the last couple months at Zion, that God is doing this, but why? Is he, is he asking us to surrender because he's, he just is mean? No. The place of surrender is what when Jesus found that place, not my will, but thine be done, goes back to God. He knows all things. He's going to do all things. He's got your best in mind. I don't know about you, but I want to be in chapter 11 of Hebrews at some point. I want to be one of those people that are, said, oh, she was a woman of great faith. Why? Because of chapter 12. Therefore, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He gave it to us. 
He's going to help us. He's going to walk with us until he is the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He wants us to become men and women of great faith. Not that you're great, but your faith is great because it's grown in God. It's not, I, I was reading something, a, a devotional book that I read every year. And I came to today and it said, evaluate is your life, your spiritual walk with God the same as it was a year ago today? No. Because we're growing in God. Our faith is growing. Okay, faith, hope. Hope, I'm not going to preach it. I'm just going to tell you. These are promises of God. John 6, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. Is that a promise? Yes. And I will raise him up at the last day. Most assuredly, I say to you, most assuredly this is a promise the promises of god have no expiration date this is a promise of god most assuredly i say to you he who believes has faith to believe in me has everlasting life i don't know about you but everlasting is as long as forever and that's what i want to have Jesus said to his disciples, John 8, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Whatever promises God has given you, hold on to them. John 10, I uh, am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. John 14, at that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Oh, my goodness. Every single one of these promises is enough to take your breath away. On that day, at that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The living Christ in me. Take a deep breath. The living Christ in you. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. Who's your Father? You're a good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I will show, I manifest, I will explode in grandeur. Manifest isn't just like, oh, I'll just give him a little piece of me. Manifest is humongous. I'm going to throw a party, and I'm going to show you who I am.
This is what Jesus is saying. And if you need more than that, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 15, I'm going on. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Promises. Here it is. It's the one that gets me every time. You did not choose me, but I chose you. We, we think, oh yeah, we came to the altar and we chose him. No. You did not choose me. I chose you. Jeremiah 31, 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And it goes on to say, and I have drawn you with my loving kindness. If it wasn't for the loving kindness of God, not a single one of us would be here today. He has drawn us. He has caused us to come. He has chosen you. He has drawn you. He has loved you with an everlasting love. How long is everlasting? Forever and ever and ever. And that brings us to, from hope in the promises of God to his love. The promises of God is hope that's anchored in love. Romans 5, verse 5, in the Amplified, it says, Such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Turn in your Bibles just so you can see it with your own eyes. Romans chapter 5. I was reading these, and probably the, the verse that's just a couple verses later, when I was thinking about that he has chosen me, make it personal, sit there and make it personal, he has chosen me to be his. But God, verse 8, demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, that gets me every time. When I was an enemy of God, I wasn't just separated from God. I was an enemy of God. When I was the farthest away from God that I could possibly be in my stubborn rebellion, when I was as far away, 
Christ died for me. He died for me when I was the ugliest. I, I wasn't even cleaned up and nice yet. But when I was mean and ugly and just, that's when Christ died for me. He died for each one of us when we were so separated from him. We love, 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. We got nothing in this game, guys. We got nothing. You know, bring your best to the table. Yeah, you got nothing. I got nothing. We love because he first loved us. Now, hope. This is... Romans 5, 5 in a different version. Now hope does not disappoint us because, does not, sorry, I'm adding a word there. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out, shed abroad, niagara in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That word poured out, shed abroad is actually the word niagara. How awesome we live where we live. Because we have a visual. Anybody ridden on the Maid of the Mist? Anybody ever been to Niagara Falls? Anybody ever got even on that Maid of the Mist close to the falls? And you can't even get close without getting completely soaked with just the mist if God's love is poured out abundantly, shed abroad in our hearts that much, we can't even, we can't hardly get close to it before we're completely soaked. Can you imagine what would happen if you got under the falls? The power of the force of that, if that is what God is talking about with his love, there is no greater force in this universe or outside of this universe than love. Absolutely none. No one can change my mind on that. The greatest force in all is love. The only currency in heaven Anything that's worth anything in heaven is not your good works or mine. It's love. The only currency of heaven is love. That love is agape. It's not eros. It's not phileo. It's, it's agape. Self-giving love that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he or she does. Anybody ever had God bring somebody to you that was a little scratchy? Agape is self-giving love that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what 
that person does. It's an unconditional love that gives freely, asking nothing in return. It refers to choice, not chance. It engages your will, not emotion. You need to choose to love. But I'll tell you, when you stand under the falls of God's love, you get enveloped by it. You get infiltrated by it. You get swept away by it. You get filled by it. Paul says in Ephesians, the width, the height, the breadth, the length, the limitless love of God. It's his prayer for us that we might know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. The love of God, think of the prodigal in Luke chapter 15. It says when the son was a long way off, the son kind of goes, huh, well, this isn't working for me out here. And he starts to turn. But my Bible says, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. What did he do? He ran. He ran to him. He ran to him and kissed him and loved him, hugged him. When we're a great way off, When we're stuck on our own ways and we go, oh, this just isn't working for me. And we turn, God is already ready to run to us. That's the heart of the Father. In my Bible on Romans, when I was reading this, do you ever have those old Bibles that you've written a million things in and then they fall apart and you have to get a new Bible and yet so anyway this is a pretty new Bible and I don't know when I wrote in it as I was reading Romans 5 it's in bold letters down at the bottom my notes it says my lifelong goal is comprehending Remember that word, catalambano? Comprehending so that it completely overtakes me. Comprehending God's love for me so that I might give it away freely. Completely being overtaken by God's love so that I can give it away. 1 John 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not God knoweth not God, for God is love. I'm saying it in, in King James because that's the way I learned it. In this, in, this in this, verse 9, the love of God was manifested toward us. 
that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. We didn't even have any love to give him. Not that we, in this is love. God is love. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And I want to close with going back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's talking about all the gifts. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But in the very last part of that verse, the very last verse is, and now I will show you a more excellent way. And it goes into 1 Corinthians 13. I speak with the men of the tongues of men and angels, but have not love. I'm a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge and have all faith to move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Even if I give everything away, give my body to be burned, but have not love, profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love stoops low in order to get underneath somebody to lift them up. Jesus did it with the woman caught in adultery. How low can we get in order to lift somebody else up? Tongues, prophecies. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abide. Faith, hope, love. These things, these three, the greatest is love. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe your life is a chaotic mess. There's darkness, there's infection, there's disease, there's stuff, junk in your life that you need a laser. You need the light to come, his presence to come. Maybe, maybe you just want to grow in your faith in God that it's costing you something and you're trying to decide, do I deny myself 
I don't really want to. Maybe the promises of God are a little fading. They're not so brilliant to you right now. Maybe there's something that he's just wanting to remind you of, that he'll never leave you or forsake you. That it's the living Christ, I in you, it's possible. And maybe it's love. Maybe your love tank is a little empty. Maybe those scratchy people are really scratchy. Today, if you want to, if you'd like to respond to God, it's an invitation that he's giving. He wants to pour out his love like never before. He wants a fresh baptism of love like never before. I hope this message has encouraged and challenged you in your walk with God today. Again, this podcast is a resource of Zion Fellowship, a spirit-led and life-giving local church in Canandaigua, New York. If you'd like to learn more about us, find us at our website at zionfellowship.net or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, feel free to give us a call at 585-394-7450. Blessings to you as you continue in your day.